them. Uh, they had, then they can share the living water that's Jesus Christ. So thank you for, for your prayers for them. Uh, they had a successful trip, and uh, we just we praise the Lord for it. And, and by God's grace, that'll open the door for an expanded witness for those 10 churches. And, and then, uh, Lord willing, maybe more uh, later on as we take more units. So thank you for that. And, uh, and I agree with Miss Pam. We need to sing that whole song next week. So the way we can guarantee that is we can step up to the plate and be a part of it and get the other half of that money. So, uh, you know, we can do that. If you do that during the week, you can get it in the right hands or, or even next Sunday morning when you come. So that, that way we can sing it as a celebration that, hey, we've done it. We did what the, the Lord put before us, and we're sending missionaries, and it's a, a great opportunity together. Uh, one of the, the joyful things, I went to a supper Wednesday night at a church that I used to serve, and uh, they served steak, so there was a, was a good motivation for going. Uh, it was delicious steak, but, but they did the Lighty Moon Christmas offering. I said, That's, it's wonderful when you can put things together. You can celebrate by what you do, but you can also celebrate by, by what you're, you're allowing others to do. So the Lighty Moon Christmas offering allows us to do both of that. Next Sunday, we, do, we want to sing that song uh, because uh, we've, we've reached a, a goal uh, that God set, and we can do it uh, by God's grace. So I uh, thank you for what you've already done, and, and uh, we've got a message to share. Uh, and uh, this Sunday school lesson this morning sure underscored that, that uh, our generosity at sharing the message. So thank you for being a part of that. And it's great to be here. I, I want to today share a, a couple of passages. They're similar, but one talks about the shepherds, one the wise men. So we'll, first of all, we'll read Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through 15 from Luke chapter 2. And the scripture says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Uh, let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful. Uh, we're thankful for who you are. We're thankful, God, for what you do. Uh, we're thankful for the gift you gave, which is beyond measure. Help us, God, to celebrate this Christmas season, what you've done, and to tell others, just as the angels told the shepherds. We thank you now as we offer this prayer to you in Christ's name. Amen. Imagine the, the picture or the scene in heaven for a minute. You've, you've, you've got the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the infinite creator of the universe. He's the king in the throne room of heaven. And he sent his son. His son's been born. So there's a, there's a new king. 
And so all the angels and everybody's discussing it. And, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to tell the world that a Savior's born? And so then God says, well, I'm going to send some angels to tell some shepherds out in the field. That's probably not what we would have done. Now, is it? it's not what I would have done, um, especially in this day and time. We've got the Internet and television and all that stuff. So today, you know, we'd blast it all over everywhere. But even back then, 2,000 years ago, you would think if you were looking through human eyes and human understanding, our thoughts, how are you going to tell the world that a Savior is born? You would have picked people of power and high places, wouldn't you? Normally, that's what we do. I'm going to go tell the somebodies of the world. The people that everybody will listen to. And yet God made a different choice. And I think it speaks volumes about who he is. And about who we are. God said, I'm going to tell some shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. I'm going to pick some lowly people that aren't even in town. They're out in the country. Say, well, they're rural. No, this is not even rural. You know, they're, they're, they're out there where there aren't people. That's the whole purpose. Take them out there where there aren't things to interfere with the animals. And, and they're out there. They lived with the sheep. They smelled like sheep. That was their life. And they certainly had no power. None. And that's who God told first. It's amazing. And then he, he told another group. I will read a, a few verses in, in uh, Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophets, But you... Bethlehem and the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined with them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced and were exceedingly, or with exceedingly great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, myrrh, then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own countries another way. 
Now, that part makes maybe a little bit more sense because these are people of means. They've got gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They take gifts. They probably were powerful people in their country, but that wasn't their, this is not their country. These are foreigners from another country, not just visiting from another country. They're in another country. They're, they're somewhere far off. And so then you get back to, now. all right, now, why did God tell shepherds on a hillside and, and wise men, magi, in a far country, why did he do it that way? Maybe what God did then is the same thing he does now. And that is that he gave his message to people who were willing to hear his message. People who were willing to to answer. Shepherds, for instance. They were uniquely prepared for the message that that God had to give. Now now think about the picture. He, He told them there's a Savior who's come into the world. He's going to save his people from their sins. Now shepherds in Bethlehem that's just a few miles from Jerusalem. It's, it's not but a few miles. It's a stone's throw, really. A few hills in between. It's walking distance. Uh, I tried to do that once when I was in seminary. It was on an archaeological dig, and we were going to walk up a dried riverbed. Didn't think about, I'm thinking riverbed like riverbeds here. This is riverbeds like riverbeds there, and it had huge, humongous boulders and rocks and, and, and sand on and and. No, obviously no water. Well, we all took one canteen of water. We walked for, a, I don't know, an hour or so, ran out of water. And so then we cut through the desert and found a bus stop and got on a bus and went where we were going. But it's not but five or six miles. It's, it's walking distance, especially back then when you had people who walked all the time. That, that was life. And what happened in the shepherd's life is they, they took, little lambs, and and they raised them up. They nurtured them. They saw them grow. And then when they matured, someone, typically priests, but somebody would come, and and many of them, they took them and and they, they transported them, they herded them down to Jerusalem, where on the Day of Atonement, They took the little lambs and they slaughtered them. Every family offered one. And those lambs covered, they were the atoning gift that covered the sins of the people. So the shepherds watched it play out. Here they are, they're raising sheep. And for all of these, these hundreds of years, many, many, many generations, they knew that some of these lambs that we raise, they're going to take them down to Jerusalem and they're going to kill them. And that's because of our sin. And so when angels appeared in the heavens and told these guys, hey, a Savior is born and he's going to save the people from their sins. All right, that's the world the shepherds lived in. They watched it every year over and over and over again. The lambs go to Jerusalem and that's the price for sin. And so God told them first, 
hey, folks, this is going to stop. Because I'm sending the lamb. It's going to take the place of all of your lambs. This is mine. And so you've got something to celebrate because I'm bringing peace on earth. Like all of the, all, you know, all of the, the beauty pageant people who, they don't do it as much anymore, but used to be, they got to the interview, you know, what, what do you most want? Peace on earth. You know, and that's what they used to always say, peace on earth. You and I can't bring peace on earth. Only God can do that. And he told the shepherds, hey, I'm giving you the offering of peace. They were ready to hear that because it touched them in their lives. And they were the down and outs. They were, they were not necessarily despised. They were just outcasts and overlooked because they did smell like sheep. They did. It's not a joke. They did. You think today about around here, for instance, our hog farmers. The first church I pastored, I had a... Uh, one of my members, Greg, was talking about his, his hog houses. They were r- right not far from where I lived, but the way they scrub them and clean them up now, it's not, it's not anything like as bad as you, you know, would, would normally think it is, the smell. Well, Greg was talking about it, and he said something about his, his boots, and he, he didn't come to something or other we had at church, and he said, because I had I just left the hog house. He said, and I said, well, Greg, man, just just take your boots off and, and uh, change clothes real quick and come on over here. And he said, you don't understand. <laughs> if I had left the hog house and come to church, it would have been like I brought a hog with me and you'd have been smelling hogs. Well, that's how shepherds were. That, that's a shepherd. That's how they smelled. Because they slept with them. They lived with them. God told them first. They were the nobodies. But there were also some wealthy people a long, long way away, and and they weren't Jews. They weren't the chosen people. They were foreigners. They were outcasts in their own right, because in that day you had Jews and you had non-Jews. That was the world, according to the Jews. If you're not one of us, you're one of them. So you're an outsider. Well, God chose to tell a bunch of poor shepherds and a bunch of rich outsiders. I'm sending my son into the world to save the world. Well, the wise men were ready too. They'd been studying prophecy. They'd been reading. They were most probably from the, the same land, the same area where Daniel had been hundreds of years ago. Probably they were reading his prophecies that talked about where Messiah was coming and how he was coming and, and all of that background. So they were, they were ready. They were waiting. We can't wait. So they saw that star. And the wise men's response was, this is the one, we, this is what we've studied. This is what we've hoped for. Maybe their parents had passed it down and grandparents may have been for generations. But for these ones, we know this is what we've been waiting on. This, all right, the time is here. They were ready to receive it. Now, if wise men from a far country saw a star... Don't you think Herod, who lived five or six miles away, could have seen the same star? 
I mean, it was up there. They saw it hundreds of miles away. Herod and his people, they probably saw it too. But they weren't studying what that star meant. They didn't care. They cared about their world, their palace, their own words. So what God did back then is he gave the message to all. The star was up in the sky for anyone who looked up to see to see it. Anyone who had eyes to see could have seen it. But we know that shepherds responded. We know that wise men responded. We know that Herod did not respond. That's kind of like our, our day, our world too now. The word is, is given to everybody. Jesus Christ wasn't given just to the select few, but he was given to the world. He's, he came to save the world. Now many people reject him. Many do, most do. So God gave the message to those who were ready to respond. But there's another thing about it. He gave the message to those who were willing to take a journey of faith. Those shepherds had charge of a flock of sheep. So for them, when they heard the angel's announcement, and they said immediately, let's go see this thing that's happened. They didn't say, let's go explore, let's go find out if it's true. They said, the angels told us, now let's go see it. And it means for them to go see the Christ child, they had to leave the sheep. The sheep they were given charge of caring for. The sheep that if these shepherds were more than just hired hands... And many of them most probably were because that was their, like our farmers today. They raised sheep. What it means is they basically left everything they owned to go see Jesus. Left their sheep on a hillside. Say, well, maybe they left somebody to, to take care of them. You may be thinking that. Hey, they may have divided up and some of them went to watch and some of them stayed back. Well, they were all out there watching sheep to begin with. So even if they left somebody or one or two people and most of them went to to Bethlehem, then guess what? They were already really pushing it on their responsibilities. They saw the message as more important than the task. And they were willing to take a journey of faith to Bethlehem. The wise men, far away, many, many miles away, Picture the scene of them packing up their camels in, in whatever village or town they lived in or city and their neighbors walking by. Hey, you getting ready to take a trip? Yeah, we're, we're going a far away. Where are you going? I don't know. How long are you going to be gone? I don't know. But a king's been born, and we're going to go visit him. Oh, really? A king's born who? I don't know. But I've seen that star. Their neighbors saw it, too. It wasn't hidden. Seen that star, and that star indicates that a king was born, and I'm going to go find, or we are going to go find the king. Now, that was a journey of faith. 
And they went the logical place. They went to Herod. Hey, the king of the Jews is born. You're the king of the Jews, so is it this palace? Those wise men took a journey of faith, temporary stop at the king's palace, but then God took them to the real king, Jesus. Now Herod again saw the star. Journey of faith. When the wise man came and talked to him and said, Hey, we're, we're here. There's, a, there's a king being born of the Jews. Where was he born? It was Herod's advisors who said, Oh, well, that would be in Bethlehem. You see, they knew. And they went to see him, right? No. They sent the wise man, hey, you go and you find him. And when you find him, you come back and tell us. And Herod's idea wasn't that I'm going to go kill him. But anyway, Herod knew where Jesus was going to be born. He, from the wise man, ascertained about what time he had been born, when the star had appeared. And he didn't care enough to even make the journey his own self. He didn't make a journey of faith or of disbelief. He didn't make a journey at all. He just sent a delegate. Hey, wise guys, y'all go find it and come back and tell me. But the infinite creator of the universe told the wise men in a dream, don't go back to him. You just go back home another way. Don't go back through Jerusalem. Folks, how many times for you and me have we seen and heard the message of God? Maybe it didn't make sense to us. We didn't understand it or we didn't know enough about it. It didn't answer all of our questions. And so we have been unwilling to take a journey of faith. Maybe we even did like Herod, not with the mean spirit, but we did like Herod and we sent somebody else. Hey, you go and when you find out something, come back and tell me. Uh, the, the place I was last Sunday, the church I was at for it was a breakfast, missions breakfast, and they were focusing on Baptist on mission. I told a, a, a missionary story, which one I've told y'all, but uh, Hurricane uh, Matthew, after the hurricane, there were six guys in a parking lot in Lumberton, and instead of taking a plate of food, they asked them to sit the food down and tell them about Jesus, and then they take the food later. And those six guys gave their lives to Christ that morning. Well, after breakfast, a guy came up to me, and he said, Do you think that story you told, do you think it really happened, or is it just a missionary story? And I, said, and I was just confused. I said, what do you mean, just a missionary story? I mean, I know it's true because the pastor who talked to them and the volunteer, they told me, so unless they just lied, which they had no, absolutely no reason to do, it's true. But what do you mean, a missionary story? And he said, oh, I mean a, a story that you embellish and you make it sound good just because you're trying to drum up support. And I... I don't know the guy, I don't even know his name. And, and I looked at him and I thought, brother, you, uh, he, he was a guy of some means, I'll say that, by how he was dressed and stuff. And I thought, brother, you honestly don't know it, but you've told me more about yourself than you know you just told me about yourself. 
Because, see, you've probably never taken that journey of faith. You haven't ever been in those shoes to be in a place where you saw a supernatural God intervene. And so you honestly don't think he can do that. So rather than if the pastor embellish the details for me, which, again, I sincerely doubt, I've seen God do things even greater than the story I just told them. I mean, one of them is he reached down into a sinful world to a person like me and like you, and he saved us. Now, there isn't any reason. He didn't have to do that. So God gave the message to people who were ready and to people who were willing to take a journey of faith. Now, life is a journey of faith, and it may not take you to to Lumberton after a hurricane, or it may not take you to uh, any a thousand, a million different places, but it's going to take you one step at a time where God wants you to go. And it's a journey of faith. Not a journey of sight. You know, I studied engineering in college. I like people, I like things that I, I know what I'm, I know. I mean, that's kind of how I'm wired. I like that. I appreciate that. Tell me the facts and I'll make a decision based on the facts. That's how engineering kind of goes. But that's not what God calls us to do. He may give us some of the facts, but he tells us, take a step of faith in response to me. Trust me. Believe me. Like the wise men did and took that long journey. There's a king born. All right, okay, I'm going to go see him. But there's another part, and that is that God gave the message to people who were willing to surrender everything to him. Like the shepherds who surrendered their flocks for a while. Scripture doesn't tell us what happened after they went to see Jesus and went back to the flocks. But I know the God we serve. And I believe they saw their flocks prosper. And they saw the the neighborhood, wherever it is they lived, come to them and ask them over and over and over again, tell me about the Christ child that you saw. Tell me about that night. And don't you know as they recounted it over and over and over again, those shepherds were humbled thinking, why did God tell me? But he did. And the wise men who left their businesses and their families and their homes and and they made a long, long journey that took days, weeks, possibly even months. They were willing to do that because God called. Herod, when he did begin to understand that there was a, a... king born in Bethlehem, the only thing Herod did is cling to his own throne and his own palace and then sent his people out to kill all of the babies that were under two years old when he finally got around to the realizing he had been uh, he'd been tricked or, or, or hadn't been told. He killed all the babies under two because he was going to protect everything he had, which is the opposite of surrender. 2,000 years later, we don't even hardly know what Herod did. He's the nobody. 
We know about the shepherds. We know about the wise men. Because God lifted up the people who were the outcasts and the outsiders. And he humbled the king, King Herod. And that's the God we serve. The message of Christmas to you and to me is a message of surrender. He's calling us to surrender everything just like he did. King of kings, Lord of lords, the eternal prince who laid everything aside in heaven's glory to come save you and me. That is absolutely amazing. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. And folks, I pray that you and I are people like the shepherds and like the wise men and that we're not like Herod, that we're ready to hear, that we're ready to take a journey of faith, that we're ready to surrender everything and that we're not like Herod, clinging to what little or or what lot we have and missing out on a real miracle of Jesus Christ. You know, another reason I love this passage, particularly the shepherds, is I love the fact that God would choose the nobodies of the day to be the first people he told. And I grew up in a small town, Dillon, South Carolina. The only thing people know about Dillon are two things. They either got married there or they went to south of the border. Or maybe they drove through there on the way to the beach. And if they did that, they just think, they say that. I think maybe I went through there one day. I mean, even in South Carolina, it's just it's nowhere. So that's where I came from. But you see, God chooses people that a lot of other folks will overlook. And all he wants is for us to hear, to respond, and to surrender. And then watch what he does through us. Bow with me together as we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for who you are and Thank you, God, that you use us. And we think about the shepherds so long ago and the wise men so long ago. And you could have made different choices that may have made more sense to the powers that were in control, so they thought. But, God, you're the one who really is in control. And you pick who you want to pick. And a lot of times it's different people than the world would pick. God, our hearts plead to you today. Is to speak to us. Choose us to hear your message. Let us be the people who go tell. God, not for our glory. We don't know the shepherd's name or the wise man's name. But we know you. And we want to praise and brag on you. So God, help us to do that better. No matter what it costs. No matter where it takes us. Make us ready. As we offer this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. This morning our hymn of invitation and commitment is hymn 300 without him.
Uh, you know, without him, we can't do anything. We'll accomplish nothing, nothing of any significance. But with him, amazing things can happen because of who he is, not because of who we are. In our time of response at Christmas, now you can buy presents and they can be brightly wrapped and expensive and exactly what somebody wants and uh, they'll appreciate it for a, a while. But that's not what Christmas is. Christmas is a celebration of Jesus. And if you're here this morning and Jesus Christ doesn't have complete hold of your life, this morning's a morning when you can let go. Be ready to hear him. Ready to respond to him. Ready to surrender. Then you'll have a real celebration. As we sing, I'll be at the front to receive you. The altar's open. You can come kneel here. If you've been a, a follower of Christ, devout follower for years, it's the time to celebrate by, by praising with the altar. But if you've never taken that step to ask Jesus Christ into your life, to, to offer him your life as Savior, this is the moment to do it. Because without him, we're nothing. Let's stand together as we sing him 300 without him.